This week on New Tricks, we're joined by Peter Heath, founder at Venue Performance, to discuss meetings, conferences, events, and Christmas parties, legitimate ones. With no signs of the once-anticipated post-pandemic calm and stable trading environment, venues, suppliers, and hosts must now focus on the data to navigate the future. And welcome to another glorious episode of New Tricks, which is the alarmingly regular podcast from New Dog PR. That is us. I am Emily. Catherine is Catherine in a different location today. Where be you? I am in the lot waiting to turn into a pillar of salt. On your holiday, how is the travel chaos getting to your holiday? Not as much travel chaos as I've been led to believe by the Daily Mail. Uh, we got on the train and then when we got off the train, it was a different location and it was the place we were on holiday. And it was the destination that you had anticipated it would be? It was. And uh, and the train was on time. Uh, and all those other things that are being, I think, kept from the good people of the United Kingdom. That doesn't make a good story, though, does it? We all know that. I got on the train, it was on time, and then we arrived here on time and then here we are. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, I will not be writing a book about it. Uh, joining us this week, we are thrilled to have as our guest Peter Heath, who is the founder of Venue Performance. Peter, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? Thank you very much for inviting me, Emily. I'm very warm. Thank you very much. Well as well, but warm as well. Warm to well. It sounds like a, a sort of status of a of a race that may be, may be about to start, or the ground of a horse race. Um, have you enjoyed any travel chaos this weekend or are you, have you remained in situ? No, I don't really go anywhere or do anything um, or see anybody. So I just stay put. And that is my, uh, yeah, that means less stress. Very wise. Well, perfectly suited to a career in the, event, in the event industry. Yeah, exactly. I'm right on it. Although I do have some uh, challenges later today where I have to go to, having said I don't go anywhere or do anything, I'm just, I've got to go to... M- Mulvern in Worcester. Oh, yes. Are you joining the SAS? No, no. Is that where the SAS is? To pick up a trailer that I've just bought, and then tomorrow I'll be moving my pigs. Oh, to their final destination. Ah, for the, for the purposes of the tape, there is gesticulating in an upwards pointing direction there. Well, that's a good sign. That means that they've been good pigs, because if you were pointing downwards, that would imply that they've been bad pigs. Yeah, exactly. They've been very good pigs. <laughs> they're about to be even better pigs mm. Malvern that's where they make the water isn't it they have lovely water in Malvern yes I think so <laughs> right on cue I don't Real really life. know I thought it was closer than that and then I found out that it was Malvern so that's two and a half hours in the car so that would be a pain in the bum but there we go all fine all fine all fine um for uh for those who are not in the know and up to full speed with what venue performance is can you enlighten us please in its simplest form venue performance is benchmarking for meetings and events or conference and events depending on you know cne or ME, depending on or mice um the mice element of hospitality so very similar to the likes of STR and hot stats that measure beds, we measure meetings and events. Lovely, very succinct. We've all got that. And and the charm of having you on here is because that particular segment of, well, firstly, pig chat is always good on a Monday. Who doesn't love that? 
quite. Um, but uh, secondly, it's that, you know, for the over the last 27 billion years that we've been enjoying this pandemic, that particular area of the uh, of the industry has been challenged, shall we say? Yeah, that might that's a good word. Um, is that a good word? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an appropriate word. Um, that sounds very political, or like a politician. Oh, it's taken us. Hold on, let me. It's taken us four and a half minutes to get to politics. Frankly, I'm staggered it's taken that long. I would say, I, I would say, absolutely mullered. Many many events had been had in politics, so it's been slightly different events, environment, depending on where you work. Well, so the, the the irony is that when I demonstrate my software that does all sorts of clever data tricks to people, actually not tricks, it just presents them with the truth. But when I do my demonstration of the software, I set up originally some fictitious venues. Well, not fictitious venues, but venues that would resonate with people. They would recognize them, but they they were, they were obviously demo versions. And the version, the, the venue that I picked unbeknown to me, of which I based all my demonstrations on, was 10 Downing Street. Um, so every every demo started with a guffawing and uh, a, a sort of ironic laughter from everybody um, about, yeah, the quite that, the exact, the irony of the picking of my M&E uh, demo venue. It's all fun and games until someone loses their job. Are we going to talk about it or are we just going to, are we just, is there anything to actually talk about? Catherine, you must be chomping at the bit here. Brimming with bunting. Let <laughs> it out, Catherine, come on. I'll be even more pleased when he's actually gone because I think we're moving moving away from the event stage. He wanted to have an event, didn't he? He wanted to have a, a wedding party. He did. Because that's mm. the whole point. Allegedly. Right, alleged, actually. And <laughs> so, so yes. And now I think it would be important that he moves away from prime minister type events to private citizen type events. That's what I would be interested in doing rather than this loitering around doing funny things. So I think once he's gone. Well, I've got, a, so I've got a Boris story actually. So back in a former, back in a former life, I used to run a, a business that was all about venue finding and it was a very digital business and we ran some events at the Saatchi Gallery and a friend of mine was the CEO of the Mayor's Fund for London who was obviously the Mayor's charity so we invited Boris to uh, come to a lunch at the Saatchi Gallery uh, which he promptly arrived for in a flurry of cycling sort of hair exactly Um, and he was pretty impressive, actually. I have to say, whether you like or loathe his politics, he was an impressive operator and orator. Uh, and he came; he was fresh from a meeting where he had <laughs> sanctioned, uh, probably rather foolishly, along with the other list of foolish things he's done, uh, he sanctioned the Emirates airline thing that goes across the, the, the river. Sky. Skyline, sky something. Yeah, yeah something that. like that. It goes from somewhere somewhere to Victoria Dock. Um, and it was all about the Olympics, of course. So he, you know, he, he just wanted to get people from, from south to north across the river for the Olympics. And he, he announced it at the party to much gasping of, of his PR um, crew because it wasn't con, con, uh, um, common knowledge yet. 
Um, so that's just how sort of flagrant and rule-busting he is. He doesn't give a monkey's. He, if he wants to say something, he'll say it. So important, I think, you know, that he goes and meets, you know, say, Ledvdev's dad. Yeah, any minders seems perfect. So there we are. We're done politics. There we go. We're done. And yes. Yeah, and, also, and blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't it be nice if the next person gave a shit about hospitality? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think those are, those are all the salient points covered. I think so. Done. Yeah. I don't think they will, though, because we're not there yet. We're not robust enough. No, I'm afraid not. Um, and there's too many component parts and we don't have a collective voice and all those things. But however... However, they may not, but we do. And that's the important thing. Um, and what we would like to know, Peter, before you need to go and deal with your pigs, and time is, you know, we need to be conscious of that. Deal with it sounded like you were going to, yes, do it yourself. <laughs> the diary. Um, so talk us, can you talk us a little, talk us through um, what's happening in events? So we had a lockdown, everyone, everything went virtual. This is where I asked 12 questions in one. I do apologise. Um, is there going to be a permanent shift to that sort of hi- hybrid? Is that is that the what consumers want and therefore what organisers have to provide? Or is re- or really are we all wanting everything to go back to physical because that's where there's more cash? What what are you seeing? Well, the the reality is uh I'm seeing everything and nothing. Um uh, because it's 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 utter chaos, um, and things are a long way from having calmed down, and for us to see some meaningful trends, we are seeing things happening, but at the moment, I don't think they are long term trends. So, for example, and I do apologise, but I can't think of another word. You two are PR experts, so you need to hit me up with another word. But the the unprecedented demand and the pent-up demand is causing chaos, just like it is with pretty much most other mass people industries, like the airline industry, the hotel industry. It's it's causing chaos because the numbers are far exceeding the glory days of 2019, although I hate comparing things to 2019 because that's gone and... It doesn't, you know, it's too long ago. We're in a different world now. But the reality is, is that we don't know what that different world is going to look like because that pent-up demand, that feast and famine, we're still in feast mode. We're still engorging on events because we haven't done it for so long. So what sort of events are we gorging on? Well, uh, fairly typical events apart from parties we're talking business to business of course we're not talking you know you and your mates because those those parties probably went on before lockdown was was um not by me i was i i stuck to the rules um but uh but b2b party parties are probably still the one the one kind of uh, area that you don't go. You go to lots of places, but you don't go to parties. And when I say parties, I mean pretty much Christmas parties. And and and, and lest we forget, the Christmas party season propped up a lot of the M&E industry. 
that's where they made their money. Just like they, just like the restaurants and the pubs and the bars make their money at Christmas. You know, the hospitality industry makes a shed load of money at Christmas and then meanders along for the rest of the year. Um, and we haven't seen that Christmas party back. So there you go. That's what we're not seeing. But what we are seeing is everything else starting to come back and meetings of, of always meetings are the biggest chunk of, of, of the meetings and events industry, as you would expect. Uh, conferences are coming back quite strong, but they're always quite cyclical, kind of spring and autumn. So we're in conference mode at the moment. Um, who knows whether they will level off or drop back again. Uh, banquets, receptions, that sort of thing, they're trickling along. Um, meetings have to happen because they're essential. Conferences kind of need to have to happen because they're quite important as well. Product launches and sales get-togethers and all that kind of thing. So they're quite a big deal. Uh, parties... Attracting the same sort of level of people because I saw a, a a number the other day um, where it said that there is seen sixty percent of pre-pandemic attendance, with the rest of it made up with online peers. Yeah. Um, well, the, the short answer is it, it's varied. It depends on what, what what lens you're looking at it from. You know, if if you are a conference venue, for example, you're probably going to be rammed to the rafters. In which case, you're full, full, full. Never been busier. Oh, I can't get enough people. You know, life is hectic, chaos, etc. Um, if you are a a party venue that tries to f- to flip itself into a conference venue. Um, during the down months, then you're probably not going to be as busy. So what we do is we look at the averages across the industry, obviously. That's the only thing we can do. So venues that venues and hotels that take part in our benchmarking, they compare themselves to their competitive set, obviously. But we're not, I'm not, that's not of interest to me because that's their business and I can't look at everybody's business. So I look at industry trends um and within those industry trends you're always going to be some that are busier some that are less busier etc etc so you hear this anecdotal stuff all the time from everybody but it's not founded on anything solid it's just founded on their experience what about the solid cash of it are people able to convert this exuberance uh into into cash money People, as in what the the, the venues, as in events, events, venues, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 plenty. There was, you know, when everything opened up, there was more cash, and you could check a stick out because everybody, you know, had had all the cash that they hadn't spent and wanted to spend it. And you know, you've seen it in the hotel sector; everybody wants to go away and and, and go large. So the same with the events industry. Um, there's plenty of cash around now. Of course, we're into a different cycle. So, so there's a gorging then. Um, now we're into a different cycle because uh, everybody's costs are going up. So you've got a dynamic whereby events have been rolled, weddings, conferences, you know, they, you roll the contract, roll the contract, roll the contract because of government guidelines, cancellation policies, et cetera. Um, and the venues have been obliging because they don't want to lose the business. But now all of a sudden their costs are going up. So they, 
so they're going back to the client and saying, oh, we can't really advise, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, continue with this because our costs have gone through the roof. The client's then freaking out. New business that's coming in now is being priced up because of the prices in whether whether the prices are real, which they are, of course, or whether you're banking your prices for the future. Because don't forget, you book an event now, but you book it for three six months time. So you've got to you've got to hedge your bets. So there's a lot of hedging going on. So all of a sudden, we're turning into a bunch of hedges. Um, uh, who would have thought that? So. You've just got to look. You've just got to keep a really close eye on the numbers. I know. I know. I would say it, and and I'm you know yawn yawn because I'm a numbers guy, but you don't know. You really don't know what the market is paying, what the market is charging. Uh, so if you're a seller, I caterer or a venue, you've got your pricing is absolutely crucial um, now. Um, and then clients are pulling back because it's too expensive. So they're thinking, hang on a minute. I don't, do we really need to do this? Do we really need to have that conference? Do we really need to have that party? Why don't we just do something different? Why don't we, I don't know, hire a boat or go to the beach or something? You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just changing everybody's perception. And then, of course, God, I'm going off on one here. Then, of course, you've got the health and well-being of your employees, and they don't feel comfortable having a booze up in the box anymore, so they don't all want to come. So then you've got to split your budget to uh, chaos. Utter, utter chaos. Chaos does seem to be the uh, the general descriptor for everything these days so, so that's grand yeah, because because it was when everyone was saying oh we come out of this pandemic and this is to say that wildly aware that cases are spiking everywhere and just about everyone we know has covid at the moment um we clearly haven't come out of the pandemic and nothing's been done about it but that aside and the obvious impact that will happen to all events and chaos, travel chaos we were supposed to be coming out of the pandemic into like a sort of 1920s sophisticated decade-long booze up weren't we that was the plan that was the plan not chaos no one said, I can't wait to get out of this and have some chaos. Um, this feels like a wildly appropriate moment to interject with this very short anecdote from uh, what I learned from my dry cleaner last week, which is relevant and does come into, does play into the post-pandemic world and continued disruption. So at some point over the last three years, the dry cleaner decided that he was going to, who who employed, he ran the business, employed two people, covid the two people were furloughed or dispatched, never to return. So he, owner, runs the business. He very quickly decided that he wasn't going to do pressing. So that, as a service, disappeared, pressing stuff. So just dry cleaning, just duvets and whatnot. And the other day, as we recollect, a resident of this house has had COVID. So there was a full-on bleaching of the room that they were staying in, including duvet going to the dry cleaners. So as I trot up to the dry cleaners to give him the duvet, he said, no, I'm not doing duvets anymore. So I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just doing dry cleaning because I'm trying to stay under the VAT threshold because he's worked out that he needs to earn 120 grand to make it worth his while. He doesn't want to do that. He opens from 8.30 to 2. He can pick his kids up. He doesn't need to employ anyone. Costs, energy costs are rising. So he would have to earn a lot more money to be able to justify the VAT um, threshold. So that's pushing him off. But also the general work-life balance that he's got now is quite 
delightful. It's working for him. He's earning enough money. So this does play into the point of it isn't just let's fling back to 2018, 19, because there's a financial element, but there's also a a lifestyle element that I think is making things completely unpredictable. And no one is, it's just not snapping back. And I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, that's a very good, that's a very good analogy. I think that is very relevant as well, because people, like I said earlier, they gorged on events, events, but not everybody gorged on events, don't forget, because what the pandemic did was gave everybody a voice to say, actually, I'm not comfortable with that. So um, that so that voice is now being heard loud and clear by organisations. So they're having to, you know, it's not one size fits all anymore. It's they're having to really tailor their communication and engagement programmes with their, with lots of different people within their business so yes, there was a bit of gorging, and then actually they realised that gorging wasn't a one size fits all, and because there was a bit of kickback. So now they're thinking, okay, so what do we do? And therefore, they've got to think really carefully about doing an event because it's either going to be bloody amazing, or they won't do it. So, like your dry cleaner, you've got to go all in and make a ton of money. Or you actually just tailor it to something a bit more lifestyle financially, you know, more balanced. And that's where events are because the price is going up. The other dynamic is that service levels are dropping because staff are falling. So they're paying a high ticket price. They're getting a lower satisfaction rate. They're thinking, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to keep my cash and do things differently and send everybody hampers or you know, whatever it may be um, and maybe do some virtual. Um, virtual is big. Uh, so I think that is that does play, you know, whilst lots of people would, 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 would middle along um, doing, you know, not the small stuff, not the big stuff, but the medium stuff, it, it's either big, small, because the medium stuff's going away now. Um, so yeah, dry cleaning and allergies is a good one. It's, it's just like in the hotel sector, the much, the much pressed mid market okay. will spend out for luxury and they will save money in budget, but they will not piss around with stuff in the middle. But then, okay. So then throwing another one into the, into the mix, virtual slash. So you've got, if you do virtual really simply, it's really simple and it's inexpensive and it is um, it's pretty good, actually. It works. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, if you go big virtual, then you hire in a massive production team and you go large. It's a full-on production. It's amazing. It costs a shed load of money. Um, <clears throat> if you try and go in the middle, it you know if you try and make it more than a zoom meeting but not a full-on production uh you cut corners the budget isn't allocated nobody really knows what they're doing it's a skill that nobody has a clue about they don't want to pay for the expensive production corner cut after corner cut after corner cut it's always a dog's dinner and so therefore that element of virtual gets a bad rap so the low end is good the top end is good the middle and it's like it's like anything in life, isn't it? You know, go cheap, 
and you know you're going to have to chuck it away, so you don't really worry that much. Like Ryanair, you know, you you you, you roll with the with the bumps. You go expensive, and you get you usually get what you pay for. You go in the middle. You're kind of expecting something not cheap, but not expensive, and and, and but that doesn't really exist. So, yeah, you don't, you don't want to throw it away, but certainly not memorable. You pay, not not memorable. No pain, painful, 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 painful. We did a we did a podcast when we first started this thing, and my tech chap uh, said predicted, um, and I'll, I'll get you the link of the podcast. He said, it shocked me. He said virtual would be dropped like a hot turd. And uh, uh, you can cut that bit out if you want, um, because he's got first-hand experience yeah, of doing it. It's hot or cold. So. He, he got, he's got first-hand experience of doing it, and he still does it to this oh, day. And the I other day, he, he not hot turd, no, the, the virtual oh, thing, okay. production thing. But the other day, he had an international oh, no, audience, an international audience in three different zones, full-on production, Click go live. How many people were in the room? They'd spent hundreds of thousands. How many? Ten. Emily? I'm gonna go the other end. Three thousand. Eight. Oh uh, thank you. Eight people. Mm. Eight people. Seriously. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, so- yeah, yeah. That's not much. Not so much dropping a hot turd is like one of those monkeys going mental at the zoo, isn't it? Where they're like, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. No. Um, can I ask you a quick question on when you were talking about? Uh, so, so from a conference, from a venue's point of view, do you think this uh, sort of unpredictable demand um, may lead to more creative and flexible use of conference space? Because I have a dream uh, that at some point there will be. Um, childcare involved in conferences, which there probably won't, but you know, it would be delightful. Uh, and we've also, who I can't remember who we were talking to on the podcast. It may have been Tom Oakden in one of the early ones where we were talking about repurposing ballrooms for tea dances and things. Um, so, um, and maybe not specifically that, but, but may, might we get to a point where these gopping great big spaces? if they're not being utilised in a sort of a consistent and predictable fashion could be used in a more flexible way? Or do you think venues at this stage are just trying to keep their head above water and surviving? And frankly, that is a bridge too far. No, I don't think it's a bridge too far at all. I think it's a really good uh, prediction. Not really a prediction. You were, I don't think you were predicting. You were merely asking the question. But I think it will happen. I think with, I think there's a number of things that we're seeing. Um we do a lot of work in London, obviously, and London is 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 weird, both internationally and nationally, because London is unlike any other destination, literally in the world. Um, do you remember when the Olympics came to town in 2012, and everybody thought they were going to make an absolute killing? Everybody in the M and E sector thought they were going to make a killing on the Olympics. Uh, the upshot is they didn't for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons. Um, apart from the fact we're coming out of a, a, you know, a pretty tough economic climate, so there wasn't the sponsorship. No one ever, 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 ever makes money out of the Olympics. I think there's one no, post exactly, yeah, one in <clears throat> Vancouver, which made money out of the Olympics, and no one else ever has. Yeah, um, Paris 24. 
But one of the reasons why nobody made money out of the Olympics because there was an oversupply of event spaces. So in London, you've got this freakish situation where you've got a lot proportionately of ME venues as opposed to hotels that have ME space. So you go to any other city. I mean, look at America. It's it, you know they've got hardly any ME venues. Uh, you go to most cities outside of London, and it's made up predominantly of ME. Uh, sorry, of, of of hotels. Whereas in London, you've got lots of creative different spaces that that solely exist to do ME. So I think in London that is one of the greatest cities in the world and it's uh you know it, it it it's international it's vibrant it's all those things so you will have creative use of space in london but when you get out to the shires and the provinces and the other cities um i suspect they might do things in a fairly standard way um so creativity in london crashes yes out in leicestershire at the hotel possibly not not so much not so much although if you were to combine tea dances with crashes because you know they, they did like they run tele programs haven't they where you get young people to go and like interact with old people and it helps with like dementia and alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff yes. you could do that yeah you you're do, welcome you could do <laughs> thank you well, they stop. Yeah, you're welcome to all the venue um, people. You can, yeah, there's, there's lots of, I mean, at the end of the day, the M&E venues are just, uh, it's property, isn't it? You know, the, the hotel industry has become a property business rather than good old fashioned hoteliers and, you know, that look after the customers and not too worried about the bottom line. Whereas now it's private equity backed. So it's all about, you know, the the, the, the yield and, the, and how you can flip it. Um, and I think M&E should probably go that way as well because then serious money people will be involved who will demand better measurement and therefore will get better representation at government because it will become a thing whereas you know conference and events or meetings and events is still not a thing enough yet i think in the eyes of the of the government it happens and it's very good and everybody knows it happens but it doesn't have the same clout as hotels, for example, or restaurants. And that's saying something, I refer you back to our previous conversation about how little clout hotels have in the government. Still, Boris is gone, going, I'm sure it'll all change. He doesn't need a new venue, but I'm sure an oligarch can be found, so that's different. <laughs> Peter, we're hurtling towards the end of this, this glorious chat. Um, so we are going to ask you the questions that we ask everyone at the end and as you did point out before we press the big red button these are these are possibly in need of updating so do bear with us on this occasion and if you could just pretend like we've just come out of a pandemic that'd be great and we'll update them for next week um so when the shutters came up and you had the jabs in your arm the first thing you did was saw my family very good that is a that's a good response. Many points. Thought it was going to be pig related, but it wasn't. So well done. No, Lovely. I could handle my pigs during the pandemic. Because I anyway, let's not go down there handling pigs. 
the best thing. So it says here the best thing about the hotel sector, but you feel free to answer if it's the M&E sector, whichever you feel. I mean, I'm feeling generous on this Monday morning. You go, whichever you prefer. Yeah, I think I think it is now, it's a, they're, they're one of the same, they have this, a lot of the same traits. So I think the one of the one of the best things is the creativity. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you see it all the time. There's, there's a lot of it's, it's so fluid that everybody's got to be pretty creative and think of new things. Um, some are hilarious, but yeah, creativity is is good. Um, I think in the sector. Lovely two dances and crushes. I'll say no more. The sector would be significantly improved if. Oh, see, this is. I looked at this one and. Yeah, I mean, I. I I'm kind of M and E, so I'm not specifically hotel. But in the in the context of looking at the hotel and M and E sector, I mean, I'm, I'm. What do you expect my answer to be? Would be significantly improved if everybody used the data more accurately. Of course, there we go. Yeah, we are use data. Use data. Improve your point with data, not with silly anecdotes about your granny or whatever. Or your dry cleaner. Or your, Oh, no, that was a good one. That was that 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 that, that resonated. Added, added detail, color. Yeah, that's true. Um, what the industry needs now is data. Are you? Are you took the words right out of my mouth? Easy. Yes. Amazing. I can't. I would. I think I would be be lying to myself. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I know it's a boring, dry thing. What the industry now is this data. Oh God, how boring is that? But it's just so powerful if you if you can read it right. So yeah. Data. It's fine. You you look you 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 seem very sort of remorseful that you're having to give that answer. But it you it's a valid point, isn't it? In turbulent times, what we need is something. It's the closest thing we've got to a crystal ball. Why not use it? Yes. Exactly. And finally, I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Yes, I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Uh, I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Well, I think, I do think we are all a little bit nicer to each other. I do think we are a little bit more caring and we're a bit more open to your day might be great, but somebody else's day might not be great. And I think that's a really positive thing. So I do think we have, by and large, learnt that you know in in tough times, we've learned to look out for each other a bit more, um, and I think that's quite that's a that's a good legacy. That's a good uh, legacy that nobody would have sort of wanted because that meant it had to be preceded with something nasty. But it's like a war, isn't it? Society needs a common enemy, and when there isn't a common enemy. There's lots of infighting. So we've had periods of very uh, stable, solid social rest, uh, and therefore we've turned in on ourselves. Society turns in on itself. When you have a war or when you have a period of unrest, everybody can galvanise and, and, and hate that thing, whether it be you know another country or Boris, in your case, Catherine. Um, I have galvanised. It's true. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, I think the the galvanizing effect of the pandemic has made everybody more compassionate, which is a good thing. Hmm. As stories veer inevitably further to the right, <laughs> we all enjoy our compassion. Um, and speaking of compassion, it is now 
time to end this episode and turn to the pigs. Um, but Catherine, thank you so much for taking a time out of your of your lot holiday. I'm always happy to talk about monkeys throwing shit everywhere. No matter holiday, leisure, business, it's the ultimate pleasure combination, isn't it? Monkeys. It really is. And there you are, right here, right now, doing it, pleasuring your way through your digital nomadic existence. It's true. It's true. None of these things are real, dear reader. Apart from the bunting. Um, Peter, thank you for joining us. It was it was a pleasure. Um, your time is much appreciated. I wish you a, a very merry rest of your day and week. Stay... Delicious rest of your week. Stay uh, cool. Going to be off. Yes, good. I, th- I thought you were going to say stay safe. Then I don't like that. No, no, that's done. That's a bit sinister. It's also a bit of a weird one, I think. Instead of you know, it, it's like I don't know. It's as if I wouldn't try and stay safe anyway. Exactly. It's not, you can only really say it successfully if somebody's standing there holding a load of knives and fire. And that, that... Uh, thank you ever so much, everybody. Make sure you don't walk out in front of a bus. Yes. Wise words to live by. That sounds like I'm not being very compassionate, but I, you know, having my last answer. Anyway, yes, thank you very much, Emily and Catherine and New Dog. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. We will all enjoy this. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Your ears are, um, your ear time is very much appreciated. Do like and subscribe and all that good stuff and join us again next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you, Emily. Bye bye bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.